Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Director Surgeon Ketch's searingly direct new documentary film, Museum of the Revolution, begins with a Chinese proverb. The wind got up in the night and took our plans away. It's a reference to the 1961 plan to build a grand museum in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, as a tribute to socialist Yugoslavia. Meant to safeguard the truth about the Yugoslav people, the plan never got beyond the construction of the basement. The derelict building now tells a very different story from the one envisioned by its initiators 60 years ago. The film again is called Museum of the Revolution, and we're joined today by the director, Surgeon Getcha. Surgeon, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for the film. I, I love the look of it, and I love the intimacy that you were able to gain with these characters that we see in the film. But one of the things that really struck me about it was the way the film opens, where we are when we are first introduced to um, one of our characters in the film characters, one of the people in the film, Mara, the elderly woman. Tell us a little bit about where she is and what we find the circumstances surrounding her being there. So the film, um, well, the film opens first with the, the, the two inscriptions, and one is a quote from the architect of the Museum of the Revolution of uh, Yugoslavia, Vyacheslav Richter, and the other one is the proverb that you mentioned in your opening remarks, and it's actually not a Serbian proverb, it's a Chinese one. Oh. It, the film, it just says proverb, okay. but it's actually a Chinese proverb. Um, you know, I'm sort of internationalist, so I, I don't sort of care that much about um, national designations. Uh, but anyway, um, the then the you know next next we see the archive um, archival shots of the early days of the construction of New Belgrade, which is now a part of Belgrade that houses about half a million people and used to be marshland and this kind of wide open space that was supposed to kind of contain a lot of the dreams of the society, um, including the Museum of the Revolution in uh, New Belgrade, which was supposed to be kind of a landmark uh, in the in the city. Um, and the museum, unfortunately, was never uh, completed. Um, the design was adopted in 1961. The construction actually only started in 1978, um, so more than like a decade and a half later. Um, but then already the year, the year after, in 1979, um, the construction stopped. And the only part that was made was this huge, vast basement um, that is kind of sitting in the middle of the city. And it's actually between, um, it, we, I mean, we don't kind of make that very clear in the film because the film doesn't deal that much with space, but but in actual fact, the, the museum sits between the government of Serbia, uh, one of the buildings of the government of Serbia, and on the other side is the biggest shopping mall in the Balkans, which used to be the um, building of the Central Committee of the Communist Party. So it's kind of smack in the middle of the city, in a very busy part of the city, but in this park, so sort of shielded from the from public view, and most people in Belgrade don't know about this space and um, have no idea what it is and what is in that park um, and what is in that basement. And so in 2014, when I started working on an installation piece about that, a video installation piece about that space, that was the first time I visited it, and that's when I met Mara, 
the old lady who participates in the film. So then in the opening of the film, she carries a load of uh, wood um, to start a fire in the space. She goes down there and starts a fire and that fire reveals her face and kind of starts then introducing the rest of the space um, and this vast kind of labyrinthine basement. Um, and then after that, we meet the other protagonist, Milica, who is the little girl who also lives there. And later on in the film, we also meet Milica's mother, Vera, who is the third protagonist of the film. It's one of the wonderful things about the film in the sequences that you just described. We spend time with these people. We spend time with Mara. We spend time with Milica, as well as her mother, Vera. And in those sequences, much is revealed about their life and their circumstance. Cinematically, it's just a very striking way to pull us into their stories. You mentioned that that the people of the city of Belgrade really have no concept of or are unaware of the history of that, generally speaking, of the of that building. Is it of value to talk about the breakup of Yugoslavia? Not the history of the collapse itself. I think it's it's not necessarily relevant for the context of the the film. The reason I think it matters is that the sort of the the way that we were thinking about the film and the, its structure and the story that it tells is one of kind of a dissipation of 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 energy and kind of hopes and dreams kind of going nowhere. Um, and that is very much true and encapsulated in the metaphor of the Museum of the Revolution, this huge, incomplete project, which, you know, to people from the former Yugoslav space, once you mention that kind of story, it really resonates because we that kind of encapsulates what happened with Yugoslavia itself, right? And and also the reason I think that the, that museum, the real reason why that museum was never completed is because there was not enough faith in the project itself, in the revolutionary project by the time the construction started. So there was a lot of faith in 1961 in that project, but you know for some logistical reasons, it didn't start until uh, much later when that you know will was gone in a way. And then, you know, already in 1980, Tito, who was the president of Yugoslavia, died. And then over the course of the 1980s, this, there was this kind of slow dissolution of, uh, of Yugoslavia that then ended with a very violent, um, several very violent episodes throughout the 1990s of the kind of yeah, final kind of dissolution of the, the country. But then I think, you know, the details of that are not so relevant for understanding the film itself. It's simply that this kind of structure of dreams going nowhere is also paralleled in the protagonist's lives because they live these very precarious lives where every couple of days they will have a different concept of how they are supposed to live. And then, you know, within days that will have to change because this is the life of poverty and precariousness worldwide, not only in the former Yugoslavia. Let's talk about Vera and Milica. In the sense, the life they live, Vera is essentially the way she makes ends meet is she she washes windows on in trap, basically in, in the streets as traffic moves through mm-hmm. where she is and does any just pretty much anything she can to, to tend to her daughter, who is one of the most endearing and in, engaging um people i mean she's just a remarkable kind of bright light in the film she's an adult in in a child's body and in, in many ways to me um let's talk a little bit about her those circumstances that they find themselves in 
one thing that it's important to know, note and um, is not contextualized again in the film itself is that Vera and Milica are Roma. Um, you know, that some people who are, you know, maybe from the Balkans or from Europe might pick up on that. Um, the reason I didn't want to highlight that is that um, the way that Roma communities were represented, you know, historically in the Balkans was one of, you know, putting them kind of in this box that is um, bounded by um, cultural norms of the supposed cultural norms of the community and hence kind of like very easy to dismiss and kind of put on the side and kind of make them very different from the others, you know. Um, and I think that also comes from the sort of media representations and also in film of the Roma being focused mostly on men and kind of a masculine energy. And so what I wanted to do there is to kind of focus on the women who are um, not only discriminated against like within the society, but also discriminated against within their own community. So they're kind of, you know, uh, they're facing this kind of double discrimination. Um, Mara is not Roma, but she has been living with this community, which is predominantly Roma for uh, for years now. So she is kind of part of, part of that. Um, I think the story that the film tells is one of them kind of trying to find their way around uh, the city, but also facing this constant um, constant sense of being made invisible, right? So the, the way that the city of Belgrade operates now and so many cities around the world is that there's a kind of section of the population that the city is constantly trying to push out, right? To not have uh, them in the center of the city, not have them be visible. And a lot of the people who were living when we started filming who were living in the basement of the museum of the revolution were actually pushed out of other spaces in the city which were you know redeveloped and then they had no space to live uh, or were offered some containers on the edge of the city where they they were not welcomed by neighbors and there was no economy that they could participate in so then they just moved into this kind of shelter uh, in the basement in the center of the city where there was at least this economy of wiping windshields and things like that that they could participate in they're getting kind of pushed back, you know, in the film, what we show is that they're also then eventually getting pushed back out of this space, which is supposed to become a big concert hall. And from the stage in the film, again, we hear these words that this is going to be a space for everyone, but we understand through the film that actually this everyone does not include the protagonists of our film. There is so much in their story, the telling their story that is as you're describing it and it certainly this is happening in belgrade in the film but this is a story as you mentioned this is something that is going on here in the united states in anywhere large metropolitan areas where you you have this contrast of the haves and the have-nots and things it to my mind seem to have accelerated in that regard over the last decade or so in terms of our marginalization of people without getting into an historic dissertation on the Romas, they have been historically discriminated against. In fact, I believe the the Nazis specifically targeted Romas in the, in the uh, in World War II in the Holocaust. Yes, definitely. Um, and you know, so even since then, you know, in the wars in the during the nineteen nineties, the plight of the Roma is um, you know not well documented. Uh, but you know, I have worked with Roma communities across the Balkans before. And, you know, the stories that I've heard from people, you know, being killed or uh, young men being forcibly drafted into war for one side or the other, 
are being displaced. It's just astonishing that the scale of it, and again, um, not properly documented. The film is called uh, Museum of the Revolution, and it has gotten a tremendous amount of attention in the sense of the uh, the accolades that have been um, given it. And it is it it is a a kind of filmmaking, kind of documentary filmmaking where it's an immersive experience. You from almost from the very beginning of the film, you feel like you're in the lives of these people, as I mentioned earlier. And um, it is hard to look away, even it from and to not feel like the these people who have been marginalized. You've given them an a, a, a window, a platform to be seen. Very curious about the reaction of the film. Has it been screened in Belgrade? Yes, this, the, yeah, a couple of times actually. We just don't have um, in Serbia a good infrastructure for showing documentaries right now. Um, so, in fact, right now the film has been screened uh, more in New York City than in all of Serbia, <laughs> and much, much more in, for example, in Germany than it has been screened in Serbia. Um, but it has been screened a couple of times, and you know, eventually it will be shown on TV uh, in Serbia. But that's really simply down to like infrastructure. For example, in Croatia, it, it had had a theatrical run, um, and it's been screened many, many times there. What surprised you about the reactions to the film? Um, I think the most surprising thing for me has been, you know, seeing how the how uh, well sometimes the underlying ideas of the film do communicate, you know outside of the space of the former Yugoslavia, actually. Um, you know, in a way, like when I make films in that former Yugoslav space, I always think of the primary audience being there. So this is, you know, this is my audience in that I have in mind. This is who I'm speaking to, right? Yeah. And then everyone else, like all the other audiences are kind of in my mind, at least like observers of that conversation, right? Um, so this is why also I don't like to kind of contextualize forcibly in a way, because there's a lot of stuff that you know is known um, by the pe the people who are, are my kind of primary imagined audience. But in fact, you know what's been surprising for me is how um, oftentimes the ideas, that the underlying ideas of the film, communicate sometimes better actually to people who are not so familiar with the context than to those who are kind of very familiar with the context and perhaps then you know crave for even more of the film like kind of addressing the context etc um but like i think the kind of deeper ideas of the film are quite abstract and quite internationalist you know i sort of mentioned earlier you know that chinese proverb that i included in the in the opening because it simply resonates you know there's no reason for us to kind of be bounded by these cultural spaces um always so then, yeah, I think the surprise for me was encountering audiences who were really deeply engaging with the film, despite not knowing anything about the former Yugoslavia or the Roma or the Museum of the Revolution or what revolution means even. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for your time and uh, talking to us about Mu Museum of the Revolution. Uh, it is a wonderful film. It is available on museumoftherevolutionfilm.com to find out more about it, where where you can watch it, how you can watch it. And anything you would like to add to that, how would people be able to watch this? 
So right now the film is playing at San Francisco Dog Fest. Um, so there's a, a, a that includes an in-person screening on uh, Sunday, uh, June fourth, but also includes um, a, a availability online for streaming from the June first to the eleventh, which is uh, the length of the uh, the festival anywhere in the U.S. Um, so yeah. if you just look up, you know, San Francisco Documentary Festival Museum of the Revolution. Yes. Uh, you'll find a page with the link for, um, you know, where you can watch that film and a couple of other shorts, I think, are bundled with Very it. Very good. Yeah, that is something that the film festivals have been doing more and more of, is, a, is you can basically virtually be a part of the film festival's experience. So, well, my congratulations, Sergen Kacha, for your work here on Museum of the Revolution and, and your other work as well, uh, A Letter to Dad and, and other films that you have worked on. So congrats on all of it. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 